Welcome to the next episode of Crumby Old Coders and our today's episode is called Test Drive and it's about avoiding ice cream cones when testing software. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry, still makes me laugh. Exactly. So um, now I'm not alone as usual. Thomas is with me, but we have a special guest today, our Michael or Michael, actually in German. So uh, let's introduce ourselves again a bit. Uh, Thomas, would you like to start to introduce you? Yes. Why not? Well, you haven't introduced yourself yet. So, okay. So I go first. I'm Thomas. I work for Amazon Web Services, which is a really big company that few people have heard of strangely and i'm a software engineer for 16 years so i've done a few things and yeah that's it and i live in the uk that's it okay so uh, you're right i i might need to introduce myself or my name is david or currently working uh, together with Redis Labs, uh, also are doing no SQL consultancy and stuff like this, right? And uh, yeah, I'm also in software since quite a while. And um, yeah, um, enough about me. I think we introduced ourselves already in the past episodes. <laughs> so I'm happy to introduce our Michael and uh, actually ask Michael to introduce himself a bit. Michael. Yeah, thank you. Um Happy, I'm very happy to be here. Um, my name is Michael. I'm uh, from Germany and uh, Thuringia, and I'm also a software developer since about 12 years, um, working for a small company in uh, here in Thuringia uh, called HM Informatik AG. And I know uh, Thomas and David for quite a while. We work together. Um, in the, in, uh, with Ingress and yeah I'm happy you uh, both uh, invited me to join and um, looking forward cool um, yeah so uh, thanks for joining us uh, and uh, really happy to have you with us uh, um, so yeah, Thomas, I, I think uh, we have two moderators today, <laughs> a little bit, so Michael is our expert. Uh, so let's see if we don't get synchronization issues. There, there. Yeah, it's, it's going but to be fine. Over foresee, to you, Thomas. I, I, I foresee no problems. Well, to be fair, when it's just the two of us, there were no experts. You know, now we have an expert away. Um, exactly. Anyway, so Michael or Michael, um, did we already say what we talk about today? Or... Do we have to? Yeah, no, I don't think we we said what what the topic is. So what are we talking about today? No, the topic well, we didn't uh, mention the topic actually. Um, the topic should be um, the test pyramid in uh, agile software development. Um, something that says uh, how many unit tests do you need in your project and how many integration tests do you need, and which tests should be um, executed manually. Mm. Yeah. The answer is more. You always need more unit tests. Yeah. Okay, so we're oh fine. Man, we're done. Um, that's right. it. See you next week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, this is like uh, like our, our watching a crime movie, right? And then uh, you get yep. uh, you get the, the guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're the detective the, and also the, the criminal. Who is the murderer <laughs> right away. <laughs> 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 Okay, let's talk a little bit about uh, the need uh, to test software and uh, how this might look today, right? Um, but before we do this, uh, let's especially talk a little bit about uh, how we did it in the past, right? I mean, uh, when I was working at Ingress, I was actually for a while in QA, or not too long, but uh, I have a good picture still how we did it in the past, but uh, let's ask maybe Michael in the first step, or how, how was software tested in the past? And uh, then in the next step, we can talk a bit uh, about um, how it differs today. Yeah, right. yeah but, um, in the past, or even today, a lot of uh, tests are actually uh, assuming that you have the system and you see those uh, see the system as a as a black box test or as a black box you you don't uh, you say you don't know what's happening inside the box and uh, start writing tests and um, define what 
the system should do and according to some input. So you start um, defining XML files or you write down some um, steps a tester should do uh, in the U in the UI. So he uh, he or she can later um, check whether the, the the response or the output is uh, what is expected. Um, the thing is with this that those tests are way too complex or they become too complex if the system is uh, getting bigger uh, while you're developing it. Um, you have the pro you, you will have the problem to um, to permutate the the um, the input files or define even more cases um, and y you end up mm. with a bunch of um, of tests of test files. Um, yeah, yeah. I think you mentioned that in the preparation, like a combinatoric explosion, right? Is, is that sort of what you're talking yeah. about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Interesting. I mean, I, I still remember a little bit how how we did it in the past with uh, with Ingress, right? Uh, as mentioned before, uh, I, I think it's not a secret, but what we had is was a kind of self written test framework, or where we kind of executed commands or SQL queries, and then we we just compared the results. I would call this black box te black box testing because, or uh, from the point of view of the the DBMS or at the level of the DBMS, right? The DBMS is more or less a black box. Uh, you pre-populated it with data, executed something, and then uh, <laughs> looked at uh, if the result was was okay. But we had tons of uh, of such tests, right? Uh, and uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. test cases in order to ensure that the DBMS is in general doing whatever we expect that it <laughs> it should do. A anyway. Uh, over to Thomas again. Yeah, no, yeah, no, exactly. I mean, it seems like the most logical approach, you know, just just chuck some stuff against the database and see what happens. But I presume then, if the stuff doesn't work, you need to find out what went wrong and where it went wrong. So you have all that code in the database, and you have to sort of find and debug the problem. So, so, so yeah. So, so how would you do it today, Michael? How would you test today? you uh, would probably start um, quite similar you would start with the um, with the acceptance criteria for example in your uh, user story when you're developing in an agile um, way and so the business user is actually adding um, his or her uh, criteria which would uh, defines um, what um, the system should do when you implemented the the story so this is actually what you what you would will test like uh, this if the system if you see the system as uh, a black box yes um, but those tests are quite on the um, on the surface only scratch only mm. the surface of the of, of the of the system um, but when you develop when you start developing you will um, compose the system of a lot of um, little little bricks <laughs> we come to that later again i think yeah, um, um of little bricks and you will stack those bricks together and um you would need while developing you need to check if those bricks are stacking correctly so you can't and that's th uh, those are things you can't test from the outside you need to know how the uh, how those those bricks are connected and how those those classes you you you've written or your functions um work together so you need to uh, you need different types of tests to um to check the 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 relevan relevance of your system or the correct functioning of your system so you have as said um the tests which come from the um from the acceptance criteria of the story you have tests that um check whether your components are working together correctly and you have tests that check how your classes and functions uh, should work in any case in any possible uh, possibility you can think of in any uh, on any input data even if those input data isn't necessarily um, something that would really um, come to this component in the um, 
during the, the working of the system uh, when it, when it's running in production. <clears throat> okay, makes sense. Or I mean, um, you mentioned already pricks, let's say, right? And yeah. given that you mentioned pricks, or um, let's kind of talk a bit about why you did this. Uh, um, so currently we are, I mean, you already mentioned different kind of tests, but or the idea is to, to explain in the first step maybe yeah. a, a little story. Um, uh, you mentioned it already to me in the past, right? Um, and I really like the, the story about the Lego house. So maybe you would like to explain yeah. this Lego house story to us. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, so the idea is, um, imagine you, your, your kid is coming to you and says, um, dad or mommy or what, whatever. Um, yeah, dad and Mike, dad in my case, or. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> probably there will be mummies out there who, uh, are interested in, in, in Lego house building. Um, indeed, so indeed. They, your kids come to you and say, I want to have, um, a house built from Legos, uh, which has, um, a blue blue walls and a pink roof and um, each wall should have at least one window and um, the house should also have a door obviously um, so okay that's the the requirement yeah your, your kid said to you and it probably will have said also how large the, uh, the house should be so what do you do you use that um, picking little bricks from a, a huge um, box where you where you store them those 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 bricks and you will take only certain bricks because first you will start to build the walls and you know that you um, need bricks which have specific dimensions um, and you, you need bricks which have a specific color because the requirement was to use only uh, blue, um, only blue, bl blue bricks, blue bricks for the wall. Um, and you need, you know, you need to stack them. So you need, um, all those bricks you, you're picking need to have the same size, the same size, the same number of studs on it. The studs are those little, uh, round things on the top of the Legos and um, yeah and you take those bricks and then you have them and um, starting to stack them together so first you use um, uh, two bricks and put another one in the middle of those those first two sorry um, so you get a, a, a stable connection a stable connected uh, uh, bricks from which you can then build um, build the wall um, and when you're building the wall you also have requirements to leave uh, to, to take some, some windows for example uh, when you're at a, a certain height um, okay so finally hopefully um, you finish those house this this house and then you take this house to your, to your children and say, here, that's your house. Um, are you, are you okay with this? Is this the house you wanted? And the kid will take it, have a look at it and check if the water blue, the, uh, the roof is pink. And if there are some windows and if there's uh, a door and, um, that's the metaphor of, um, the Lego house um yeah. which yeah yeah so so that makes sense i mean first thing i would say to to your child if, if they want a lego house just just you know build your lego house yourself you know why should i build your lego house but that's beside the point so <laughs> <laughs> so okay so so you start with smaller bricks you put them together until you have bigger and bigger things so you go from a brick to a wall and then you have walls and that comes together to a house. So if you translate it to testing, it, it, it's almost like a pyramid, isn't there? There are smaller things and then bigger things that you have to test, right? And then yeah. at, at the very end where you said where you give the house that the child should have bought himself or herself, and then they get this judge, <laughs> this acceptance <laughs> test at the end, right? To say, yep, 
you know, that's a house, that, that's okay. And that's the highest level, isn't there, of this testing pyramid. So acceptance on the top, yeah. and then you have these little tests where you test the little bricks or the units. And then between those two, there is another step. So could you, yeah, so could you translate sort of the Lego metaphor or, or analogy or whatever's the right word into sort of software terms? So what, what are these, these parts yeah. of the testing pyramid? Yeah, exactly. Um, so the lowest, the lowest part, obviously, as in the Lego example, um, are the bricks. Those bricks are the, the central building blocks um, of the Lego house. And in software development, your your lowest building blocks or your smallest building blocks are actually um, some constructs in your in the language you use. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For example, if you're using object-oriented uh, programming. Um, you have classes or even functions could be uh, the smallest part, smallest building blocks. Um, so what you what what you tr will do, you get those uh, instances of those classes, or um, if the function is static, for example, you may even uh, directly call those functions um, from unit test. So you you write a, a piece of code and um, call those those functions so basically unit, unit testing yeah? and what you will do is you will um, permutate or change the the input uh, that you are passing or the parameter values that you are passing to the functions of uh, of the class of the instance and you will change them and you will, will try every possible or at least the most possible the most um, uh, common use case uh, uh, values and um, call the function with those parameters and check um, check the response so you have um, this this um, becomes large in numbers very very quickly um, there are a few helpers for example and uh, we come to the tools later but um, in, for example, in JUnit, uh, you have something called uh, data providers or in JUnit 5 um, parameterized tests where you simply write the same, same uh, a test a test class or a test method and um, let the, the framework uh, give you the different v values mm. and your code just um, calls the, the functions. And um, so this becomes very very large in numbers because um yeah you can combine a lot of uh of values okay so just just to interject before you move on so this these yeah. these units unit tests so so a unit is a, a small well a unit right so it, it's a, w whatever you decide that a unit is a function and a class i'm just repeating what you said and yeah. um right so how is this better a unit how is a unit test better than a black box test like we did in the olden days in sql yeah. testing so wh why is that better it's it's better because um if you as long as your system uh, your black box is not composed only of one function um <laughs> you will have you will have multiple functions multiple classes which um work together in some way so to test um, your, your if, if you want to test especially um, how a function or a class reacts to, to different input, you have to uh, create um, input which travels through a lot of calls, through the whole call stack, if you want, yes. And um, each part in this call stack manipulates this, those, those data. So you need to think uh, the way back to create test data, a lot of test data, um, which can travel through the whole stack, so that your so that your your method actually is called with the values you want it to be called, okay. so you want to check. Um, so what you're so describing is the black box black black box test, right? That would be the black yeah, that exactly. would be the black box test. Just clarify. And there can be there can. Uh, in the corner within the call stack there can happen a lot of things which you need to uh to yeah circumvent in some some way you need mm. to um especially if you're having 
you would need a uh, web service you would need uh, d um, dbms systems you will need a lot of uh, other services around your actual uh, application you need to set up all those things only to test a, a specific class in your uh, what, what, you, what you want to test that would be the, the black box test that would what you need to do uh, to create the black box got you test got you yeah. understand yeah okay yeah um another step or the next step after the unit so if you um if you have so much tests for the units um then you you have a, a very good understanding how those units um behave under a lot of circumstances you just check them okay so in the next step is when you starting to connect those units uh, with each other you can assume a, w a lot of stuff which was tested in the unit test all the stuff you can assume that will uh, that you know how it works or how it would react you, you don't need to test it again when you connect the um, the units with each other mm. so um what you then actually do is uh you check whether the connection between those units can be established and uh, not a technical connection but uh, um well it might uh, be it might it might be of course it might be um uh, but it doesn't need to be mm. yeah um so you you put those classes for example together and you uh, check that uh, if the if your framework, for example, Spring starts up, then uh, you check that the the uh, constructor injection or however you inject your your beans is working correctly. That that the framework is fetching the right instance of your interface and puts it into your into your class, for example. Mm. Yeah, S this just that's just a simple uh, a simple case. Um, so that's that's the next step. That's uh, the, the lowest part of the integration tests, which have multiple layers. Um, those integration tests can, because um, you have different types. We, as we said before, you have uh, different types of units. It's a unit. It's a matter of how you watch your how you how you see your your system yeah. or what you see as a unit. Um, because if you put things together, you can also see them as a unit. Yeah. yeah. So a which, unit which is whatever you decide that a unit is, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So you build things up, and they become even larger um, throughout those integration tests. You you mm. you take uh, even more um, more and more um, components together to build larger. To, to build the whole application and each time you put something together you write for example an integration test to check that those connection is working and <clears throat> that they behave correctly yeah yeah makes sense i suppose there are multiple levels to this because most software has multiple levels or layers i should say Right, so so yeah, I would imagine exactly. that the layers of integration tests pretty much exactly mirror the layers of the software, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's a pretty good um, point to to to, to start um, or to to decide which uh, part you should divide away, which part you should test together in the first step mm -hmm. before you integrate them with each other and have another more complex component yeah. yeah i suppose there are these natural boundaries like in a web application is it in the client-side javascript code or is it in the backend api code so that's sort of a natural division where you would have a boundary between the integration testing right yeah oh. that are the integration points which where you can then uh, especially if it's an api you can uh, simply uh or you, you start to mock the, the, the surroundings um, yeah. as you as you mocked the surroundings of a unit when you when you unit tested it. and mm. uh, in the next step you, you take away the mocks and put in real um, real other applications or other services 
yeah 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 and finally if you uh, put that all together um and the last step of the integration if you if you try to say it like this um you just have your final product for example, you especially in production or in, st in the staging environment, for example, where you uh, present the the result of your work to um, to, to the business or to the business user to to those stakeholders who defined the user story you actually implemented during that whole process, and those um, those stakeholders are the ones who then use your system and um or test your system in the first step of the staging um and are executing the last the last tests the acceptance tests they they're trying they're, they're uh, using your systems and uh, finally the result is they're accepting it or, accept or don't accept it and that's the last step that's the the peak of the pyramid <laughs> I so just or uh, maybe also jumping in a bit. Um, so meaning uh, what we just discussed is or uh, also I mean P Tom has already mentioned it right. So that you should have much more unit tests than uh, integration tests or or is is basically less than unit tests and then acceptance acceptance tests is uh, maybe less than integration tests. Uh, I guess this makes the pyramid right <laughs> in a, in a sense as far as I understand. So. Uh, and uh, if I also summarize it correctly, uh, what you just explained has the implication that uh, basically the the um, let's say unit tests can be easily automated, right? So because they are specifically yeah. scoped and or they are quick in execution, stuff like that, right? Whereby the integration tests or maybe the automation efforts are already a bit higher, right? Because you need to take care of uh, fulfilling dependencies and stuff like that, right? And uh, maybe uh, the execution of those tests takes already more time, right? Because the scope is wider. And then the acceptance tests are, can be maybe partially automated, but uh, there are manual steps, which means uh, it is uh, something you would like to, where you would like to avoid that you have tons of them, right? So if you can kind of cover yeah, the functionality already uh, yeah, or at the unit the test time. level, then uh, this is basically uh, beneficial, right? Yeah, uh -huh. they break all the time. That that is that's quite important. They they're flaky. Yeah? Mm -hmm. They 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 change uh, because th th those tests fail because another system is not responding in the way it is. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it should and it's not a system you're responsible for of so in if you if you have a lot of those tests if you test your whole system in that way um, you depend on too many uh, environmental things and moving which, which parts, you, right, where you yeah. don't have any uh, possibility to, to to change them yourself yeah yeah. Ma makes sense. I mean, it's it's like if I use a car, for instance, I actually don't care too much how the engine is working, right? And if the engine <laughs> does exactly its job, the, the only thing that matters for me, right, is that the car is moving. How it is moving, right? I am by intention using this example because I have no clue about how cars actually work, right? Uh, I mean, some ideas. <laughs> but <laughs> Magic. Magic elves. Magic, nah, magic it's not like that, work. right? Yeah. Indeed, I I know how an engine works and so on, but I'm I'm far away from yeah. being an expert, right? So, uh, meaning, I'm I'm kind of a muckle if it comes to <laughs> to cars. <laughs> 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 anyway, anyway, right? But uh, yeah, so I, I guess someone who is a user of a software system, just a user, and sometimes we are users as well of software systems, right? We can feel this. We we actually don't want to to know how the units are operating and how they are working and uh, what they are doing, right? Uh, the only thing that matters is that uh, the tool works for us. Right? Uh, yeah, that's the and, thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, everything behind the scenes is basically dark magic in a, in a sense right yeah but that, that's also a problem so I, I walked in a shop where they had a heavy focus on automated acceptance testing and they used selenium and what whatnot 
And the way this works is really sort of, it would remote control a browser, right? So it bring up a Chrome and then go to this URL and the login page yeah. shows and then find the input box for the username, put that value in and so on and so forth. And as you can imagine, sort of the slightest change in the HTML would break that thing. You know, it's like, okay, yeah. okay, the, in, the, the, the login box is the first input element. Okay, but what if you change it? What if it's the second thing now? Then the entire thing fails. If you can't log in, you can't do anything else. You know, that's why these high-level tests True. are I had, so I had actually brittle. an example with this. A funny, funny example. So I had, uh, I had a system, a learning management system, which I used. I'm not telling which one, right? And uh, um, there was some functionality which was not accessible via an API, but I wanted to have it, right? And the, the hoster wow. of this uh, was a hosted solution. The hoster didn't expose this functionality to me, right? So what I did is I used actually <laughs> Selenium, Selenium yep. to write a bot which locked in, performed some <laughs> steps, right? Yeah. <laughs> Extracted the relevant data for me and uploaded it somewhere, right? Where I can uh, further process it, which is maybe a stupid idea, right? But what happened is uh, they upgraded the, the learning management system and the login form was slightly different, right? You as a human being, you would not care, right? If it is now called whatever, right? Uh, but uh, my bot broke immediately, right? <laughs> so, there you go. No. So, sorry, go on. No, I'm done. I'm done. Just a funny anecdote, right? Yeah, and it's why always in, in a team where, you, you know, some engineer will at some point say, oh, you know, we, we need sort of high-level accept. Can we automate access, acceptance testing? And then all the engineers who have been burned by this just, just roll their eyes and say, oh, do we, do we have to? Do we have to do that Selenium stuff, you know, where we know it'll it'll break twice a week and we have to fix it? You know, so so that is probably why the top of the pyramid is is a peak. You know, you want to have a f as few of those as possible because they bloody break all the time. Yeah, few as possible, but uh, I think there are. I mean, M Michael is our expert. Michael is our expert, so he will tell us. But I would say there there are at least at the peak, right? Uh, some tests necessary. So yes. you need to take at least some yes, pain. Yes, of course, right? of yeah. course. Of course, you need uh, to to, uh, to to test whether your system is com functioning as a, as a whole. So if yeah, if it's compiled, to the, to ship the, it. If, yeah, yeah. If you come back to the <laughs> car example, it's it's uh, not that funny if uh, your your uh, selling person who sell, sold the the car to you is uh, actually delivering uh, an engine uh, a chassis. Uh, uh, so, so and some um, some wheels and put it into your uh, in front of your house and says so uh, some assembly required um <laughs> you probably Sounds look like at thomas car right do you still have this <laughs> <laughs> hey i have a fantastic car okay <laughs> <laughs> so of course you need you need to to put the things together and and check them but don't try to uh, to check everything through for example don't check everything through the ui yeah um selenium tests do have their or testing the, the ui do have their um they <laughs> are necessary mm. i apologize that, that, that i'm that i'm kidding too much right but uh <laughs> no, 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 i was no, just oh, getting a okay, joke okay. into my mind i have to say it right sorry but, but I, I do, even I even someone for thomas car right someone actually or <laughs> put the steering wheel on the wrong side oh my god <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> as we drive on the other side, you know, all this European imperialism, yeah, you know, we do things different here. All right? Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't start. Don't yeah, start no, that's, that. Probably. Bottomless pit that, yeah. <laughs> it becomes easily a political discussion, right, nowadays. Uh, but uh, sorry, Michael, 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 go ahead, right? So I was just... Uh, yeah, um, I, I do know some, um, not even I know some testers, I'm, I, I've been there myself. Um, if you have a system um, as a tester, you get, you get the system uh, from the engineers and uh, also start testing it. Yeah. So what do you do? You, you, you can only, you only see the black box. You don't have actually any idea how it, uh, 
how the system behaves in its interior. So uh, what you you start to try to to control the whole system through the through the interface you you have at hand. So this might be a UI. Mm. Uh, it may also be an, an, an API, and you start to. Uh, to create a lot of tests and a lot of test steps uh, and and that's by because that that are those are your tools that those are the things you can do um and you need to assume at some point that the engineers have actually um done testing on the on the inside on the white box yeah? Um, so, but well, what happens is that when you have only those tools and you can only look at the the interface of the of the application, you you will try to find ways through the application, any way through the application, mm. and that's not a good idea. That uh, will break a lot of time. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, often. Hmm, interesting. The question I'm asking myself now is, uh, after we talked about all those concepts, uh, which tools are you using for, for this stuff? I mean, indeed, we all have some experience with, uh, with several testing tools, but uh, anyway, uh, a good idea to talk a bit about tooling here. Michael? Yeah, of course, you can uh, use, um, or you should use different tools and the different uh, layers of the, the pyramid that if you... Uh, try to imagine this um of course you use um unit testing frameworks for the unit tests that's quite uh makes sense yeah makes sense um for example junit for java or nunit for uh c sharp and its derivatives um but you can also use um or you always use uh, mocking should use mocking frameworks uh like wiremock uh not wiremock sorry um like Mokito or EasyMock in, in Java. Mm -hmm. Um because you need to uh, isolate your your code that you want to test as a unit. Uh you don't want to test the dependencies with your um together with uh, with your code. You don't want to use this you don't want to test the dependencies but your code. Um so you need to mock the if possible, the complete environment of the class or of the function you are you are testing. <clears throat> um, if you have some external APIs you want to call, then uh, for example, you can use WireMock or Mountebank, which are servers um, that provide you with the possibility to to mock uh, specific protocols like HTTP. Or uh, in the case of Mountebank, you should can use um, multiple different protocols, even even your own protocols. Uh, I haven't used it uh, myself, but a colleague of mine uh, said they are using this in their tests. Okay, so if if I wanted to to mock a uh, an, an HTTP API, would it just mm -hmm. say, um, "Hey, mock me endpoint slash customers" and for the first call return this and for the second call return this is, is this how it works yes yes exactly you you have it uh, in your uh, test class so you it's essentially starting up uh, a jetty server in the case of, of wiremock there's actually starting uh, an http server um but you have an api where you can define um, on this http at endpoint um i expect um um, request which has specific uh, headers set and specific values oh, in those yeah, headers. headers you can for example authentication headers or authorization things um, you can say the client must send some cookie or whatever and then you can say okay if i get this request i want you to return a json file or some other content but you can also say uh, please don't respond for this amount of time and respond ah. after five seconds, for example. So you can, for example, test uh, read timeouts. Or um, you can't. You can't actually test connection timeouts, um, especially not on Windows. Um, but you can test kind of read read timeouts. 
I assume this is also useful when you have a UI that shows some loading, you know, some loading situation like a spinning wheel or something. I suppose yeah. you could test it with that too. You know, have yeah. the API respond after 10 seconds and then use that time to verify that your loader thing is there. That's exactly. pretty cool. You, you can, by this, you can, you can do stuff you can't control in a real environment. Uh, that's that's basically always the case for for why to use a mocking framework you can in, even in, in in a simple uh not a simple framework but in the simple case of a, of a unit test if you use a mock you can say that if this function is called throw an exception it's a specific exception so you can control the you can you can make the api uh fake errors which you can't produce in a real system. Yeah, you shouldn't. You shouldn't produce in a real system because it would mean to break the uh, the database or something like this. <laughs> yeah, let's delete <clears throat> the database. I want to test something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, why not? Why not? Yeah. I mean, a test database you can easily. That's true. Use, right. So you should be able to populate. Yeah, but but if you do this, you if if you delete. Um, stuff in a database you would need to repopulate it for the next test exactly. because the next test is expecting some data in, in the in the database and this is this is stuff you uh, have to do in front of your actual testing and uh, yeah. which means you can't um you can't do this in parallel with with other tests yes if you if you're using a real database yeah uh, you can you, you're blocking you're yeah. blocking other systems Basically but isn't this anyway, anyway often the case? I mean, as, as long as you're just reading data for testing purposes, there's no issue, right? But tests are all the time writing data. And That's it. Yeah. If you have a database system behind the scenes, then uh, you would anyway uh, need to uh, kind of bring it into a well-defined state again, right? I, I guess yeah. this is the point of using a mocking framework. <laughs> <laughs> so to not have to deal with this then in this case, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, especially as an interesting um, thing uh, to observe is that if you're using um, dependency injection or, or, or um, mocks, um, or even if you write your test, if it's hard to write the test or unit test, yes. you probably have an issue with your with the design of your code, That's which code you are right? which you are testing. Mm. Sorry. Yeah, that's that's like a like a code smell or an architecture smell, isn't it? If yeah, it's not exactly. easily testable, it's too tightly coupled. Right, exactly. Then you have you should do some refactoring and uh, ex and, and uh, take out the dependencies and uh, probably inject them as uh, constructor arguments or as uh, property values, as something something like this, because they have to. It, 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 then you can mock them. Yeah. That's that's a, that's an important thing. Um, you have to take out the dependencies and mock them, and then you can more easily test your your unit. Yeah, okay. fair enough. Yes, um, and also of course um, to come back to the to the tools to to be to use. Um, if you have a UI, especially a web UI, um, you can of course use or should use some. Uh, tool to automate the the ui tests as far as possible um so you can use selenium for example to define the tests and run them in your environment there are other uh, interesting frameworks like html unit for example okay um where you can use which you can use headless so it's uh, essentially checking um, that the HTML returned by the server is as you can can run some CSS selectors over uh, over the HTML that has been returned and stuff like this, and uh, check the the content of the HTML. Oh, okay. So I assume it just runs maybe a headless Chrome, you know, just remote controls it and then. You don't see I'm it and uh, it interrogates the DOM, right? Not completely sure. I think in, in case of uh, HTML unit, it's actually a completely um, 
written framework without any browser so they they um it, i don't know if they use any kit or a web kit or something like this in, in the background i'm not not sure about this okay because because i know because selenium is a tool that is not you know available for for it has various implementations and i know there's a a node.js version of selenium and as far as i know it uses a package called puppeteer which includes a headless chrome you know, so so it just runs the test basically in a browser, just you can't see the browser, but it still happens. And then you can have, as you say, CSS queries against the DOM to find <clears throat> various things. Yeah. So, yeah. This was how my bot worked, actually, right? So there was a headless Chrome running in a container <laughs> at the end, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then uh, there was a Selenium server basically leveraging this, uh, as far as I remember, and then a Selenium client uh, in, a, in another container, which kind of gave the instructions to log in and yeah. download the data. And stuff like that. There is this anyway. theory, isn't there, that with Selenium tests, you can almost write them in natural language. So you write sentences. So when I do X, then this should happen. And then you, you write code to have these, well, Lego bricks, if you like, since we're doing a lot of Lego today. These, uh, you know, uh, uh, login form should exist you know, would be the text you write. And then you write test code in the background that says, okay, what does that mean the login form exists? Okay, well, that means I look for the following component in on the website and I want to find it. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah. And I think the idea is to, to even give this to business people, you know, and uh, to have them look at it and even write them to say, okay, so does this, this look correct? Or is that a layer above it? I mean, could be, right? I, I typically write Java code for Selenium, right? So my, my Selenium scripts are basically not exactly looking as the ones which you can record via the browser, but I believe you are right. They have a kind of uh, more yeah. expressive language. Which is, then is, it, is it called Cucumber or, or Gherkin or something like that? <laughs> Gherkin. No, no, I, I honestly think so. I think Gherkin is one implementation, Cucumber's language, and okay. Gherkin the node implementation, or something. I'm not sure. Could be, yeah. I, but, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, but I think this is the idea to have human readable text sort of as the acceptance criteria in there, and that would directly translate into tests. Makes sense, makes sense. Yeah. Uh, especially because you're mimicking human behavior, right? So if you mimic yeah, human exactly. behavior. Then or it would be a good idea to to ask a human being, and usually this is a or is more, let's say, there's a technical person, but the end user, right? Or give him this script and say, hey, look at that, right? Is this what you would do? And yeah, uh, is, is if this he's right? Basically, yeah. understanding it, it makes more yeah, sense. So right? maybe people like business analysts, sort of, that have a little more technical background, but also, you know, the people that write the requirements. You know, yeah. it would be for them. Okay, yeah. S sorry, Michael. Carry well, but I, I, I mean, I had in the past often that the acceptance tests were actually really done by the end users of the system. Mm -hmm. So we completed the system and then we said, okay, hey, uh, the department which is basically using the system is uh, is getting access to the staging environment and uh, they they just try out if it works as they would expect that it works and then give us yeah. a give us a kind of report right and yeah, exactly but uh, with this with this gorkin approach you could literally if the business analyst has written the acceptance criteria just just the text ah, you, mean you could take that side. same okay, text okay. and then sort of wired against your your little testing lego bricks that's quite yeah, the it sounds a bit too cool. optimistic, but okay, fine. I'm buying into it. Yeah, it does work, but like all these high level things, it it breaks, yeah. you know. That's yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, I mean, I would see, I would see it really more like, um, hey, it's 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 much easier if I have such a test uh, defined in in kind of a natural language, right? Mm -hmm. To to have someone who uh, who is the end user to verify it i i mean in mm. you're right in theory someone like or a person in the middle who is maybe a little bit technical and has also domain knowledge might be able to to do this but uh, is this happening in reality are they writing tests i mean or usually the guys that 
or they a special department would kind of um, yeah. write tests, but they are still very technical. Let's say that's QA it. Yeah, there, there is this role. Right? There is this role of a business analyst who is technical enough to understand the technical challenges, but also sort of businessy enough to talk with the okay. business users and and capture those requirements. So the outcome of what a business analyst would do is to describe a functionality, like, you know, the requirement is X, and then under their acceptance criteria would be if a user, or if, say, if, if an admin user is logged in, then he has a button to do this, that, and the other. You know, that would be an acceptance criteria sentence. And this is a sentence you could stick directly into Gherkin and make that sentence work, if you know what I mean. So that's mm. the theory. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I have to admit I never have had this, right? So basically, usually the, the way how it works was that the department, which was kind of the end user, gave requirements. We took the requirements, we implemented or the solution based on them by also implementing the test cases based on them, right? Or yeah. let's say in, in parallel approach, or right. at different levels of granularity as Michael was explaining, right? And then uh, indeed, if you have Agile, you double check m multiple times in between, right? If the, the result is the expected one at a, at a maybe final granularity level, right? Instead of just giving them the final system. But at the end, if everything was done, right? Uh, when everything was done, we basically gave them the whatever knowledge portal mm. or whatever we developed in the past, right? And asked them, hey, use this and tell us if uh, based on the journey which we had, uh, right, uh, end sprints or whatever, this is uh, fulfilling your requirements and they did then uh, some more sophisticated tests right. around functional and non-functional by providing feedback, right? But uh, yeah, the, thing, <clears throat> the thing is... Um, the, the value of those um, tests, if you can, if you can write them, or a, a business value, uh, a business analyst can write them, it's incredibly important or of, of, of high value that you can uh, later that, that you can add those tests to your to your to your um, to your tests that are run uh, automatically mm -hmm. because um, the those those tests are in a language or express something that won't change uh, every now and then the, the, the implementation below so the unit tests they ah. may change a lot um, while the business the, the, the business requirements may not change in that pace yes that's, that makes sense and that's yeah. if, if it is possible to to um, formalize those those uh, requirements yeah. and add to, add them to an automatically run regression test for the future that's that's that would be incredibly valuable yeah i think that's the that's idea nice. yeah to have these sentences and you know there would be 10 sentences and all of them would start if an admin user is logged in right and and all these fragments point to the same thing because how an admin user, well, exactly as you say, how an admin user logs in might change with the next version of the software, right? But then you just change that particular Lego brick and all your sentences are still going green. You know, the tests mm -hmm. succeed. Yeah. So, yeah. It still fulfills, it still fulfills the, the same That's business it. requirement, yeah. even if you change the implementation. It's, it's, um, if, if you log in through username password or if you log in through an OAuth uh, yes, exactly. process, it's, it's, it's not of any importance. It's only the thing that the user can log in and has a specific role, uh, which which is important in that case. Yeah, yeah. It's really, it makes really totally sense. Right? It's powerful stuff. And actually, I'm, I'm currently thinking about when I actually work with business analysts. And uh, initially, uh, my impression was maybe never, right? But uh, <laughs> but I, I maybe have to correct myself because now talking about it, I, I get the feeling that this is not true so that I didn't work with them. Because uh, some of my customers in the past, right, bigger, bigger customers in the automotive or industry or whatever, right, actually had a role which was called uh, a kind of a technical project coordinator on the customer side, right? And this person was actually knowing enough about the requirements mm -hmm. of the of the 
business right side so of the department which is going to use this and leverage the solution right um and was bridging uh, towards uh, let's say me for instance as the project manager uh, in this case right so i did have less domain knowledge than he had but he was also kind of quite technical right so before we actually handed the uh, the solution out or to the department to be acceptance tested or he would test it right so maybe he took in this case uh, let's say more the role of the business analyst right being technical enough he would be able, have been able to uh, describe tests exactly in that way yeah right, as you described um, yeah that's yeah. it so yeah sometimes you know people wear many hats and business analyst is one of those hats yeah yeah exactly maybe this is the conclusion yeah. mm. makes sense cool is there any other tools michael that we should be aware of um i haven't I haven't used it uh, myself yet but i know that um gyra is uh, there's a gyra plugin uh, for X-ray, I think it's called, where you can a colleague of mine um, described the the tests within um, within Jira, and so you you can connect oh. the tests to a specific um, to a specific epic or a specific story that you have uh, written down in in Jira, and you can always also get the reports about the. Um, the results of so the test. How does this work? So basically in Jira, you would uh, kind of describe your story in natural language. And then based on that, it would automatically kind of uh, map this to a test case. No, or? That's, I think it's mainly before um, for manual tests. Or for, ah, okay. I, I'm not, not okay. sure how, it, probably you can connect some uh, some some testing okay. backend against it, but I'm I'm not sure. I, I, uh, it's more for test plan management. So you're basically defining probably, your test probably, plan yeah. in, in in Jira. Then okay. okay. As I said, I haven't haven't looked deep deep enough into this yet. Yeah, but but wouldn't that be awesome? You know, if you write your acceptance criteria in Jira and then at some point there's just a green tick next to it saying you know that sentence yeah. now passes. Wouldn't there that must, be awesome? There must always be dreams. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's always green. <laughs> <There's> never... <laughs> uh, if it is always green, you maybe mocked everything too much, right? Yeah. No, no, I said, I said there must always be dreams. Dreams for ah, the okay, future sorry. to, to sorry. achieve. So, um, no, ah, some sorry, targets to, to look ahead, yeah, look forward to. Yeah, yeah. But, you, you know, Thomas, if you think this through, right, then uh, maybe guys as we would not have a job anymore, right? Because then if we if we basically think, ah, yeah, hey, this stuff is just naturally described or described in natural language and then based on the natural language description. And I mean, in the future, this will be the case, right? I, I believe that we will see more and more like that. So based yeah. on that, uh, we are kind of have the requirements in natural language and then derive are basically test cases for this and uh, maybe uh, they will be also are partially already implemented or in this case then right if you think this through this might happen with code as well right so yeah so we as software developers mm, yeah i'm not sure what happens then with us <laughs> <laughs> no just to, to be honest that's a vision that i that i had for many years i think i spoke with you a few yeah. times about this that you could just describe how the software should work and then some sort of automated process goes away and writes it. Yeah. yeah, yeah even yeah, sure. if, yeah. even machine learning, just have a random software, you know, try it. Okay, this doesn't quite work. Change it a little. You know, it's, it's not the way that machine learning works. Yeah. Oh, Skynet, that be awesome? Skynet or something like Skynet. that. Skynet. And then we could all retire. <laughs> we could all retire and open a bakery or something. That be awesome? Yeah, but I, I mean, actually, actually, I believe there are already companies working on that. Yeah. Uh, I've heard about bigger companies um, that are, are, are having something like that in mind. And it all, always raises the question for me a little bit, right? Um, uh, years ago, I was at an Eclipse conference, right? And. Uh, uh, I think there was a talk by a guy from IBM, or if I'm not mistaken, because they influenced this community a bit, or in the past maybe still, and or don't remember the name. And, and it was all about uh, software development or as a kind of production line versus software development as handcraft uh, manager, mm -hmm. right? So, and uh, I mean, I was younger back then, <laughs> and I kind of, I kind of 
didn't like the idea that it's like a production life, right? So I, happen, I, I still kind of tend to think that uh, very good software developers are actually creative thinkers. They are not just pattern matching persons, right? So they are not basically just uh, applying what they have seen somewhere again and again and again. Or they they are basically able to maybe even develop new algorithms, right? If necessary, yeah, uh, stuff like this, right? Exactly. And uh, sorry, and, go on. And maybe this is something which you lose then, right? If you because because the the reality, I mean, still, I'm not sure how how realistic this is, but I I tend to think that uh, uh, humans, in a in a sense, are Cre creative enough so in general right <laughs> maybe not every single person but uh, in general to to actually produce something new what was never there before right and uh, if it has a purpose or not is a different story whereby if you use art artificial intelligence um, they they always basically rely on on previous training ah. indeed they develop a little bit further but um, i don't believe that they are they are yet in order to develop stuff completely new from scratch, right? But I, but I could be wrong, right? Yeah, Michael, you wanted to say something. <clears throat> I'm not sure how to, how to how to say this, but I'm I'm not sure if this is if any AI, which we currently knew or uh, know, uh, uh, is capable of doing this. If, um, for example, as a developer. I learn the most from other developers, from other um, yeah. people who are thinking completely on their own, because I want I need to to understand what he or she means um, if she ex expresses herself in, in in code, for example. Um, that's that um, I need to d dig really deep uh, to to understand it and incorporate those things i learned into my own um into my own code into my mm. own work i do yeah. every day um and sense but on the other hand side why do you think that microsoft purchased github right <laughs> <laughs> i don't know I, uh, I really don't know why um, I mean, I could have, I could develop ideas around it at least, mm. right? Because uh, I'm, I'm sure I there's mean, a lot the, of machine learning code running on top exactly. of that GitHub code. Yeah, mm. I think so as well, right? Yeah. So maybe they are not interested in the code directly themselves yeah. in the sense of that they will basically take it and develop something based on it. Yeah, I mean, but, this but is you only have legal, but uh, they can analyze. To, mm. Yeah, but you have to code. You you have you not necessarily know what the code does. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. And you, you, the, 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 um, the AI needs to, to match some pattern against some expected result. That's the, the learning thing. Huh? You you give it some input and say, okay, that's that should be the result. Mm -hmm. Okay, but now and I do this over and over again. We can close the loop, right, and say, hey, or uh, maybe the developer who published this code that also publish if it was a good developer, <laughs> dozens of tests for this code, and now having learned yeah. about the test pyramid, we know actually that our we can at least at a specific level of granularity okay. verify what the what the code is intended to do right? yeah this may be but as we started this podcast i never imagined that we would finally find a way <laughs> uh, for skynet to take over oh, yeah. by using no. by using uh, the test pyramids no absolutely absolutely <laughs> uh, ne next week we'll sort out the middle east by the way so, you know, one thing at a time <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you said we we need to have dreams or whatever. Not that Skynet would be our dream, right? So it's just a, <laughs> no, a thought just, experiment. Just kidding. Say, right? yeah, just kidding. I I really don't know what uh, I, I will will show us in the future. I'm yeah. not deep enough into this. Uh... I think you guys are being too negative. I think with with all automation, automation freezes up to do more interesting things. Like yeah. you know, like, like like robots in a factory. That means people don't have to do that boring job anymore. Now they can you know maintain the robots or you know whatever the next level up is and if we get sort of automation that does 
you know, all the websites for people and all the little applications for people just automatically, we can focus on more interesting things. So that's how I look. I, of I course, that's, that's history. That's, that's history. History of civilization. It's it's exactly. um, you in 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 far 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 uh, past. Uh, the the people had to uh, hunt themselves or collect uh, some berries and stuff to uh, and they have to do that on their own for for their family or something yeah. like this and then um agriculture came and uh, and stuff like that and you had someone who uh, brought all the wheat and and took it to the uh, to the mill and and stuff stuff like that and um which freed other people to do stuff they are really good at that's yeah. uh, yeah. that's, that, it. that's the same yeah. it's, the it's same, not same a never-ending story. story that's the problem yeah. right at some point uh, um, then... i i yeah. would suggest let's you know let's call it a day i think it was was it was a good one it was a really good one i i enjoyed it a lot and you know we keep those topics in mind and maybe do do a geek out at some point where we only talk about stuff like this how does that sound yeah sounds yeah. good sounds good for me so our um, interesting stuff and uh, i'm really thankful to that uh, michael joined us today yeah, uh, for too. this episode and uh, i have yeah. to thank you thanks michael right uh, yeah it was a pleasure pleasure having me you too. yeah pleasure was all mine all mine <laughs> and i'm very proud that you that you invited me to your to your podcast it was a lot of fun really <laughs> yeah i mean we are not the big fishes in the podcast world right <laughs> uh not yet just just you wait not, just you wait not yet. Uh, just <laughs> just one next more year episodes and next then year 10 million downloads <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah then uh, thanks to you michael thanks to thomas um and uh, thank you to the uh, audience or listeners right um if you have feedback again or uh, there's crumpy minus old minus coders.org as a website which should uh, contain some contact details right uh we also publish this on social networks so you can also comment there whatever right um or uh, soundcloud or i think spotify and apple podcast right are typically our uh, publish targets i would say so yeah thank you very much and uh, goodbye bye okay bye